Hey, it's so good to see you. Now you're blinded. Uh, should have warned you, but hey, welcome. Um, if we've never met, my name's Josh. I have the privilege to serve as the lead pastor here at Church on the Rock. Thank you, my brother. It's my honor to present the word to you today. I feel like God has been doing a great work in all of us as a church. And so what we're going to talk about today is we're going to talk about the reality, this tension that's going on in the Christmas season. Once again, it wasn't just this beautiful little story that oftentimes gets celebrated the way we celebrated at Christmas. And listen, by the way, you should. You should have lights and joy. Come on, the season is bright. Amen, everybody. So I'm not trying to make it gloomy. I'm just trying to say that there's this reality that doesn't always get discussed that there was a conflict going on. There was a king named Herod who wanted to fight against the rule of Christ Jesus. He was terrified and afraid that, that Jesus would take his spot on the throne, and there was a kind of a conflict taking place, and we've been talking about that and unpacking that in our own lives. And so I don't know about you, okay, but when I was thinking about today particularly, and I was thinking about the warrior Jesus and us unpacking the reality of the warrior's gift, I was just thinking about how much I think, okay, and maybe I'm wrong, but I think I'm mostly right. I would say the vast majority of the room would agree with me that everybody likes a good fight, don't you? I mean, if you're at the gas station and you're pumping gas into your car and then on the other side over there is some crazy chaos where a couple of people fresh out of the trailer park are upset about something and they're just throwing hammers, I mean, it's exciting, right? Come on, you can't help but to look. And when you get back to the office over there and you, get, and you start talking to your coworkers, you're going to be like, man, I got to tell you what happened at the gas station. It was pretty crazy. Come on, right? I think we all like a good fight. In fact, um, I went to school here. I went for a couple of years uh, to high school here. And so when I was a freshman, I was at the football stadium, uh, and uh, I was watching a varsity football game on a Friday night, and I was all the way up uh, at the very, very top of the bleachers. And so, I, of course, I'm looking forward. I'm looking at the field. I'm watching some of my friends and uh, teammates and all that stuff play and uh, just into the game. And then all of a sudden, there is chaos that is erupting behind me. I'm a little like confused by it, so I turn around, and I've got like the best seat, because I'm at the very top of the bleachers. There's nothing but like a chain-link fence between me and, and everything going on beneath me. And what I turn to see are these two girls, and they are not happy with each other, okay? <laughs> Neither was pleased with the other. I don't really know what was going on. Maybe they had a difference of opinion about their boothang or something, but they were not thrilled, and each of them had a fistful of the other's hair, while the other freehand was just dropping haymakers. I mean, they were swinging, like they weren't doing, you know how guys, come on, sometimes guys, we just want to puff our chest out and push a couple times. They were not having that. No, no, no. They were, they were all in. It was a full-fledged fight, hands full of hair, and just haymakers being thrown from the top. I mean, one right after another, and I have to admit, it was awesome. It was awesome. I had like the best seat. I'm like, yeah, I don't even know these girls. I don't know what they're fighting about. I don't really care who wins. I'm just like, let's get it on. Do it. Yes. It was amazing. It was amazing. And so in light of that idea and the reality, the sick inner reality that we love a good fight, okay, I just figured, why don't we just watch a fight, you know? Don't you guys think it would be a good idea if we just watched a fight this morning? I mean, you've never been to a Christmas Eve service like this. So we're, we're actually, we're going to have a little fight this morning. You guys okay with that? Uh, anybody up for it if you're up for it? Yeah? Yeah? All right, good. Listen, listen. All the kids that are in the room, like we're super, super pumped that you're here. You did an amazing job leading us in worship, by the way. 
But I'm going to be honest with you, this fight's for you, okay? I don't really care if your parents or the old people like it or not, okay? This is put together just for you. And so I'm going to need you to, like, cheer, because we have a couple gladiators coming to the stage this morning. We've got an epic battle that's about to begin, and I just want you to get yourselves ready, and I'm going to need you to pick a side, okay? So I'm going to need kids to say who they think is going to win this battle. But in this corner, I'm going to introduce first, uh, we have the very man that led us in worship, uh, the baseball-loving Jeremy, everybody. He's ready for his epic foam sword fight battle with our very own Joe. If you get up for Joe, who's coming out in his Capitals hockey gear, everybody. And here's what we got. Listen, everybody knows that hockey players fight. It's part of the sport, okay? It's what they do. But every once in a while, you'll just see somebody charge the mound. You know what I'm saying? They'll just be like, I wasn't pleased with that pitch. And they'll just charge the mound for a good fight. So I don't really know. Joe's a little bit smaller than Jeremy, but he's also a hockey player. And so I think that levels it out just a little bit. And so uh, all the kids in the room, how many of you guys think the baseball-loving Jeremy is going to win this fight? I need to hear from you. That's like three and a half, okay? And how many of you think that the hockey-loving Joe is going to win this epic battle? Wow. Wow. <laughs> uh, the underdog, I think, Jeremy, is you. And so listen, um, let me just move. I don't know what's about to happen here. This might be the dumbest thing we've ever done at Church on the Rock. But um, all right, here, here we go. Um, fighters ready. Uh, let's get it on. Go, go, go. All right, there it is. We've already lost the glove. This is epic. Oh, we're knocking the projector around. This looks like, looks like we got, <laughs> looks like we got, oh my gosh, we're going to tear up all of our equipment. I don't know, it looks like baseball got him. Looks like maybe baseball beat him. Oh my Lord of mercy. All right. Bet you've never been to a Christmas Eve service like this one. Welcome to Church on the Rock, where we are here to entertain you. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, give it up for our warriors, if you would. <laughs> All right, that was just for fun, okay? Because the real truth is, deep down inside, you wanted to see a good fight today. If we're talking about fighting, you wanted to see a good fight, so I'm glad that we could entertain you. But here's what's really going on in this, in this birth story of our Savior, and that really is what we're here to celebrate, right? The birth of Christ Jesus, the centerpiece of civilization, and there's, some, there's, there's a lot of things that are absolutely going on in this story, and what we see happening is a battle for a rule and for a reign, and this King Herod, and some of you are familiar with the story, King Herod was super vexed, very concerned about this prophesied king that was to be born, and the Bible tells us that when he heard, when the wise men came to him, and they're like, yo, do you know where the king is? We came to worship this king the Bible says that he got very concerned. He began to ask a lot of questions. And ultimately, he began to find a way to snuff out the life of this king. And it became this epic battle. And here's what we've been doing in this series. We've been talking about the reality that that same tension and that same battle exists in the life of us all. Because here's the truth. And I think if you're honest, you would admit it, that inside of all of our hearts, there's a Herod. And what Herod wants is control. And what he wants is to rule. And what he wants is to reign. But inside of us all, regardless of where you stand with Christ Jesus today, I will be so bold as to say it that way, that regardless 
of where you stand with Christ Jesus today. Inside of us all is a wise man, and that wise man longs to worship the king. And some of you might say, no, that's not true because I'm not even a Christian. And I would say that the Bible says that God has planted eternity inside of all of our hearts. And at your core, you were designed by God to live with him. You were designed by God to worship him. And I'm just telling you right now, you can pursue all things that you want to pursue, but you'll never find hope and you'll never find peace and you'll never find fulfillment outside of him. This is why his birth is so significant. So I want to take you to Matthew chapter 2. We're going to look at one verse this morning as we dive into our topic. The Bible says that these wise men that came to present these gifts to Jesus, they eventually find him. And the Bible says this in verse 11, And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother. And I want you to notice some things that they do. The Bible says that they fell down and they worshipped him. And then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And we've been kind of looking at those gifts individually and asking the question, well, what would it look like for me to give the gift of worship, gold, frankincense, and today, myrrh? How many of you guys in your families, you have one of those people where they're just impossible to buy for because they have everything? You know what I'm talking about? And if they don't have it, they can just get it for themselves. Like they just, they have enough resources or capacity or whatever, and they just go get it. I mean, you guys have ever felt like, I never know what to get this person. They're the hardest person. Like I want to, like I want to gift it to them, but at the same time, it's going to be like a silly gesture probably because they're like, oh, that's cute. You know, and then they throw it out or whatever. It sits on a shelf somewhere and collects some dust. Like I think we all feel that tension. And I just, I don't know about you, but I feel that tension with, with Christ. It's like, I mean, of all the people in all the world, like what could I ever offer him? The Bible says that my best, like my riches, my, my best effort are like, filthy rags before the Lord. Nice work, everybody. Our warriors, uh, oh, there's still a hockey glove on the platform. Anyway, I don't know. It's hard to bring Christ our gift. And so what we've been doing is looking at these gifts. And in week one, we talked about worship. We talked about the fact that worship is a representation of like our focus to the king. Can I tell you something? That God wants your focus. He wants you to look toward him and look up to him. He wants you to present your worship. The Bible says that he is enthroned on the praises of his people, and we just talked about the reality of worship being our focus toward him. In week number two, we talked about gold, and we talked about that's the representation that God, the only thing he's asking for is our very first and our very best, because he is first and he is the best. That's what he gave to us, and that's what he wants from us, our very first and our very best. And then last week, we talked about this gift of frankincense. Frankincense was this thing that was in the temple of God, and it was like incense that would perpetually burn, and the smoke from the incense would just constantly elevate toward the heavens. And we looked at this gift of frankincense and talked about our pursuit of the Lord and how important it is that we pursue him. And everybody knows what it feels like to be pursued. Remember when you were dating, and she was so into you? You had muscles back then. Remember them days? And she just thought you were the greatest thing. Even today, you want the attention of other people. Come on, when your kids become teenagers and you start thinking like, why don't they like me anymore? Why is everybody else more important all of a sudden? But it's really nice when they do say like, hey, can we hang out today? Like, or they're there for dinner. We all like to be pursued, right? And of all the people, God deserves pursuit more than anybody. But today we're going to look at this gift of of myrrh. And I just want to read something that I found in study. I just want to read it word for word because I don't think I could say it any better. But it says this, that myrrh is a strange gift for a child. Typically used in medicine, perfume, or embalming, a toddler has little use for it. Some scholars believe it was given for its medicinal properties or financial value, while others teach 
that Matthew included it to foreshadow the kind of warrior sacrifice Jesus faced. In Isaiah 53 and 5, the Bible says, by his wounds we are healed. Myrrh is well known as an antibacterial coagulator and is often used as first aid on the battlefield or in gladiator arenas. If the Magi were influenced by Jewish prophecies, Magi being wise men, if they were influenced by Jewish properties, did they read about Isaiah's suffering servant? Did they know the kind of wounds this child would suffer for his people? I very much believe that the gift of myrrh from the wise men was prophetic to say we're going to give to this suffering servant, the one that will lay down his life for his people, the one who will ultimately give it all. We are going to give this gift as a representation of what is to come in his life, the greatest king of all time. And it's one thing, everybody, to talk about a fight, right? The silly fight that I watched from the bleachers at a, at a high school football game, the even sillier fight that we just watched on the platform, like that's one thing, right? They're funny, it's fun, it's entertaining a little bit. But there are fights that really matter. Imagine a mom fighting off the attacking dog to save her child. That fight matters, wouldn't you agree? When you just imagine for a second a friend sticking up to the bully in the defense of his friend, that fight probably does matter. Or if you can imagine a soldier defending the freedom of our nation so that you and I can have the luxuries of this American life that we have, how many of you know that fight absolutely matters? I think we could agree. Amen. You can give it up for our servicemen and women. Amen. So I wanted to take a story. I wanted to take something that you may have heard of at, at some point uh, in your life, and I, and I wanted to create, uh, I wanted to talk about it so it can create a picture for us. Uh, but some years ago, there was this incredible human being who happened to be an NFL football player. He played for the Arizona Cardinals, and his name was Pat Tillman. And as soon as I say his name, people go, yeah, mm, because he's a very iconic figure in American history, quite frankly. Pat Tillman was an interesting guy because he was an undersized player. He probably wasn't big enough to play uh, in the NFL, but he kind of overcame all the odds. If you research his life a little bit, he was just a thrill seeker, and he was like a physical machine. He could do things that a lot of people just could not do. He was a pretty incredible physical specimen, and he was a very impactful safety for the Arizona Cardinals. And then, of course, as we know, on 9-11, there was an attack on, on American soil from some terrorists. And Pat Tillman did something that just struck the heart of so many American people, is that Pat Tillman did something that was pretty remarkable. And I, I want you to hear me say this, okay, because there are a lot of men and women who gave up a lot to go defend the freedom of our country. And so Pat Tillman, it's not that he did anything greater than any others, it's just the story in which he did it that captured our hearts and our attention. Because a lot of men and women go and pay that price, go and give that gift to us. But the thing that captured the heart and the attention of all of us around Pat is that he walked away from like the life. I mean, for a lot of the men in, in, the, in the country, Having a gig as an NFL star would be the ultimate dream. I, I'll just admit that that, would, that was my ultimate dream. I would have loved to have had that opportunity. And for us to watch Pat Tillman walk away from a multi-million dollar contract to go and train as a United States soldier, to then elevate himself into special forces, to then go on multiple deployments, and then ultimately 
surrender his life in our defense truly made him a hero. I think we all could agree. I think we all could agree. And the interesting thing about his story, if you know anything about it, is there's a lot of uh, controversy even around his death and the way that he died, there's a lot of people that think there are questions unanswered. The family is still in a pursuit. They feel like there's more to uncover, that it might not have been the way that it was presented to the American people, and maybe it was more controversial than the United States wanted to lead us to believe. And whether that's true or that isn't true, I like this story, and I like this story for a lot of reasons. I like it because I have the utmost respect for Pat to do what he did. Just as a special forces operator, I mean, that alone just gets, that gets my attention, gets my respect. But to walk away from a life in the NFL, again, particularly to a guy like me, that's like, man, you had it all. And then you left that to go do that. And then you, you didn't just deploy. You didn't just fight. You gave it all. You left it all out there. And you didn't come home. And we think about that, and here's the reality. Like, it touches our hearts, doesn't it? It sort of connects to our hearts to go, wow, man, that's a lot to give up to go do that. Now, some of you can already tell where I'm going, right? Because you're like super spiritualist. You read the Bible this morning. You can already tell that I'm gonna relate Pat Tillman to Christ Jesus. And I want you to think how much more it is that Jesus would leave heaven, would leave the comfort of all that he knew and understood, and that he would come on this earth, essentially be born that he might die. And then around his death, wild controversy. Falsely accused, betrayed, imprisoned. He died an innocent death for a bunch of rogue idiots like us. And he did it with everything he had and he gave it all to us. In fact, the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter two, verses 14 and 15, it says this, that because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the son, Jesus, also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he what? Die. And only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. And I just wanna highlight this morning, if I may, that Jesus, as much as we can give honor and respect to a Pat Tillman, and by the way, I just think we should. I think it's even more heightened and elevated that we should give our attention to Christ Jesus who left more and gave as much in order that you and I could have something that is available to only us. And I don't want this to just be some Christmas story or a traditional Christmas Eve service. I want your ears to open up to the power of the spirit of the living God. And I want every single one of us to consider what he gave to you and me, regardless of where you stand with him, what you think about him, what you think about his people. I would love for you to just open up your mind and your heart for a moment to consider what he gave for you. So when we talk about this gift of myrrh, this is what I believe that myrrh represents our everything. Like all we got. If I am to present the gift of myrrh like a wise man, and like those wise men do, then what I would be saying to my Savior is, you can have it all. You can have everything. Because the warrior's greatest gift is a meaningful death. Every warrior is willing to lay it all on the line 
in the cause and for the cause and in defense of who he or she stands for, Jesus. Here's what I want you to hear. Gave it all. He gave his first. He gave his best. He gave everything to you and me. And here, I don't want to sugarcoat it. I don't want to candy coat it. But in response, everybody, the only thing he asked for from you and me is everything. And that's a hard pill to swallow, isn't it? Because inside of you and me is a Herod. And Herod's like, okay, God, I'll give you Sunday morning sometimes. All right, I'll give you a seasonal time with your people. I'll, I'll do the life group thing. You know what? I'm going to be super Christian, and I'll get on a team, and I'll sacrificially serve others because I'm awesome, or whatever it is. And God, I'll do all these things, but you can't have everything because I think if you and I were honest with ourselves, we would admit, and me included, that there are areas of our lives that Herod still has control. And that carnal, fleshly, former self that pre-existed before Christ Jesus had his rule and reign in our lives, there's still a conflict going on and there's still a battle taking place because sometimes we just want God to have everything that blesses and benefits us but nothing that costs us. And here's what I'm here to tell you, Merry Christmas, that ain't how it works. In fact, Jesus said it himself in Matthew chapter 8, verse 35, he said, if you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. Watch what he says, though, but if you give up your life for my sake, and for the sake of the good news, what will happen? You'll save it. You'll save your life. And I think too often times, can I, can I just preach honestly for a second? Can I, just, can I just talk out of my heart? Is that I don't think that God's asking you to be a faithful church attender. I don't think God's asking you to serve on a team or to participate in a life group or to go to all access, or to give, to be a percentage giver and tithe to the church. I don't think that he's saying, hey, when the church does their outreaches, you should engage and serve others. I don't think that's what he's asking for. I just think that those are the things that are produced because of what he's asking for. What Jesus is asking for from you and I is all we got. And here's the thing, because some of us, if we don't boil it down to that real truth, some of us can rank ourselves higher than others. Some of us can say, well, I haven't missed a Sunday all year. And you went on vacation two times. Notice how I buttoned my jacket for this? Because I'm starting to feel myself a little bit and thinking that I'm, oh, I'm so good. I'm in life groups every semester. I have real friends in the church. I serve on three teams or whatever it is. And what we can do is Herod can start to tell lies on the inside of us that, yeah, you're doing really good. Man, you're, mm, you're, you're like really killing it. Way to go. You are a super Christian when really he's saying, but hang on to these things that nobody can see. Hang on to these things that are dark and in private. Hang on to these things where God wants control and he wants the rule and he wants the reign, but you're not willing to give them to him. I'm gonna preach a little bit this morning. And every single one of us, if we are honest, would admit that Herod still has some reign in our hearts. And this is war. There's a conflict. And what Jesus is saying is, I just want you to give to me what I gave to you, everything. All you got. Because the Bible says that when we do, we take hold of the life that is truly life. And I think that the result of giving him everything starts to produce, like, I want to be with God's people, so you show up and you worship with them. And I want to build real, genuine relationships, so you get involved in real relationships, not just, like, we're, we're good in rows, we're great in circles, right? 
that like I actually want to have some real genuine friends that are going to sharpen me and help me grow closer to the Lord. You know what? God has put it in my heart to make a difference in the lives of others so you serve and you make a difference and you do outreach. Everything that Church on the Rock does are the symptoms of a life in, a life in Christ. Is that making sense? As we close, I'm going to take us to Romans chapter 6. I want us to look right here. The Bible says this, Romans chapter 6, verses 3 and 4. It says, have you forgotten that we were, when we were joined with Christ in baptism, watch this now, we joined him in his death. For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism, and just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also, pay attention to this part, may live new lives. Here's what everybody's afraid of. God, if I give you everything, my life's gonna be miserable. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says we live life. We live these new, unbelievable lives. It's not that he wants to take from you, it's that he wants to give to you. I know that you like your thing, and I know that you're afraid that he'll take it. No, oh, dear God, don't send me to Africa, but God is a God that wants to give you the life that is the fullest, the life that is everything that you could ever dream of, the life that in every situation, whether it's chaotic or you're just riding the waves of victory or whatever it may be, that like this is life. Earlier this week, right after our prayer service, we actually uh, did a baptism. And by the way, if you wanna be baptized, we would love to help you take that step in our church. So we borrowed a little baptism pool from another church actually. We just set the thing up because uh, somebody was gonna be in town for just a few days and they just more or less said, I know this is a step I need to take and can you help me? And we were like, yeah, we can absolutely help. Let's do it. And so we set up this uh, baptism pool and we had our prayer service on Tuesday morning and when prayer was over, all the people that had attended, we just invited them like, hey, if you can or if you want to, we're, just, we're doing a baptism out in the lobby and if you want, we'd love to celebrate. We just love to celebrate what's taking place in Evan's life. And so, Evan, I didn't ask his permission to tell this story, so I hope I'm not in trouble when this service is over. But he gets into this, he gets into this pool of water, and something pretty miraculous takes place. In fact, it's like a miracle that you get to see with your eyes. Because baptism is an external picture of an internal reality. And so, here we have Evan sitting there, and he's made this commitment to give Christ everything. So we baptize him in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And it's a representation of him being buried to an old life. That Herod has to die. And he's washed and cleansed by the blood of Christ Jesus, fully immersed in the spirit of the living God. And he comes out of that water a new creation. And look, we cheer and go nuts and we whistle and we hoop and we holler and we make it a big deal around here because what took place on the inside of Evan's heart was displayed to some friends, some family in a moment of baptism earlier this week and it's meaningful and it matters. And I just believe that inside of every single one of us is the constant battle to just, Herod's gotta die, man. And there might be areas of my life where it's like, I have to surrender all. I have to give everything. When I'm behind the wheel of that F-150 and I just think I'm superior to all of you, 
Herod needs to die there. You see what I'm saying? And I know that's silly and I joke all, I don't have road rage, all right? I embellish a little, but there are areas of our lives sometimes when we're alone and on the computer that Herod needs to die. There are times that we're just totally selfish in our marriages because we're really not making it about serving the other, it's about us. And Herod, Herod needs to die. There's, a, there's an epic battle, this is war for a rule and for a reign. There might be times in friendships that we know, we know that we're saying some stuff and doing some stuff and we know that it's passive aggressive, soft jabs toward another person. In that area of our life, Herod should die. And we know that there are certain substances that we abuse or use too much or maybe shouldn't use at all. And in those places, Herod should die. The warrior's most meaningful gift is their life. And Jesus is saying, would you just give me everything because I was born to die in order that I could give you everything. As we close, I want you to, I'm gonna show you one verse. And this verse is the story of Christmas. And here's the thing, you already know it. You saw it last week, right between the goalposts of the football game, John 3, 16. Here's what the Bible says. I want you to notice something. For God so loved the world. Can we just stop right there? I know I have other things highlighted. But he didn't love the world, he so loved the world. I want you to think about it like that. It wasn't like, all right, I'll do it, I love them. It was like, I love them so much. It's like an emphasis of his care and concern and love toward you that he so loved the world, what did he do? That he gave. And tomorrow morning, if you haven't done it already with your families because they're in town and all that kind of stuff, we're gonna give some gifts. And these gifts are representations of the greatest gift of all. And we're gonna, we're gonna give gifts and say, here you go, here you go. And I, I, we have three children, my wife and I, and I'm pretty pumped. Like I cannot wait to see them like, do it. Woo! And I just wanna see their reactions and I wanna see how they feel. And I wanna see like, yay, do you love it? Do you love it? Because I don't just love them. Like I so love them. Try to mess with them and see how much I love them. You know what I mean? And God so loved the world that he gave. His one and only son who gave everything. And whoever believes in him shall not perish, the Bible says, but have eternal life. It's a life worth living, everybody. This life in Christ, oh man, he's gonna require everything. Yeah, 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 but he's gonna give you everything. He wants nothing from you. He wants everything for you. Every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around. I'm gonna ask a very direct and simple question. You can stand all across the auditorium if you would. We're nearly done. We're about to end with a song, worship, and response to the gospel. But with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, here's what I want us to do. I want us to just look inside of ourselves and I want us to identify the Herod in us that is fighting for a rule and for a reign. And for some of you, you know exactly where Herod is in your heart. And for some of you, you might have to search a little bit to discover where is Herod trying to rule and reign in me. For some of you, you're totally separated from God. You've never even made a decision to step into a relationship with him. But what I wanna do is invite you to step into that relationship this morning. 
Many of us in this room have done that already. Many of the people tuning in online this morning, that's a decision already made. But here's the thing. We can always give more to the Father. Everything. We have to fight against the Herod in our heart. But my prayer for you has been that you would have a connection with God today through the power of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says you can't come to God unless the Spirit draws you. And so I've been praying, Spirit of God, would you just draw them? Just draw them near to you? Would you help them to see the gift that you gave? And would you help them to be the warriors that you have designed and called them to be, Father, that they would give everything to you? And so what I want to do is I want to lead you in a prayer this morning. It's very simple. Uh, we say it every Sunday, in fact, because we give people the opportunity to encounter Christ every single weekend here at Church on the Rock. And so this prayer is very simple, but I just want to invite you to repeat this prayer after me, and everybody around you is going to say it, because some of you are going to say it this morning for the first time in your life, and it matters, and it's meaningful. And it goes like this. I want you to say, Dear Jesus, I give you my life, all of it. Come into my heart. Forgive me of my sin. Wash me, cleanse me, make me new. All that I am is yours. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Hey, would you put your hands together, congratulate those. Maybe you made that decision this morning. Congratulations, we're proud of you. Here's what we're gonna do as we close this morning. We're gonna worship the king. We're gonna go back to week one, and we're gonna offer the king our worship this morning. Let's worship him, come on. <laughs>